take them down. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Lord, I thank you for our Sunday school today. I thank you for the Sunday school offering. I thank you for every Sunday school class today. Asking you to bless Brother Miller, Lord God, this morning again. Anoint him, Lord God, I pray, as he ministered the word to us. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Miller. God, and I'm so glad to be in his house today, amongst the people of God, <clears throat> glad for what God is doing in our lives. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 5, and um, as you know, the month of March, or excuse me, February is almost over. Uh, we are embarking on the last two Sundays, this one being one of them, and um, we're also embarking on the end of the series, Conquering Your Giants. So this week and next week, um, these will be the last two lessons of the series, Conquering Your Giants. And so if we can get through Conquering Envy today, which is what we're talking about, Next week, we'll be talking about conquering bitterness. Amen. So um, let's see what God will do. And as soon as we're done with that, then we're looking forward to what God has for us next. And again, thanking the pastor and thanking God for allowing me the opportunity to be able to come here and to be able to share with you what I believe God has given me. And believe you me. This stuff has been working for me. It's been helping me and keep focus. A lot of the stuff that we've been talking about. And so I pray that it's been a blessing for you as well. Galatians chapter 5. We're beginning with verse 19. And I know it's been said that I speak kind of low. So just want to make sure everybody can hear me. Outstanding. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 19 to 26. Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, uncleanness, excuse me, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you also, or I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Did I miss anything? Okay, I just want to see if anybody was paying attention. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against 
such there is no law. Look at what he says in verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk where? Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So Paul starts out this scripture talking about talking about the works of the. Right. And he makes a distinction, a clear distinction between the flesh and the spirit. So we understand that out of all the things that were listed, envy is one of those things, one of the works of the flesh. Okay. So Merriam-Webster defines envy as the feeling of wanting to have what someone else has. Painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. So envy and jealousy are often lumped together. Everybody kind of tosses them together and, you know, pretty much says, you know, envy is about the same as jealousy. But can anybody tell him, can anyone tell me what the difference is between envy and jealousy? Let me give you the mic. I think envy is when you um, want to be more like that person. Envy, their, maybe their personality, the way they look, their smarts. And then um, jealousy is like you're jealous of things that they have and want what they want or have. That's, what I, that's how I look at it anyway. Thank you, Sister Sue. Anyone else want to add to that? So that's good, right? And to take that further, when we talk about distinguishing between envy and jealousy, they go along the same lines when you're looking at someone else. Your focus is on someone else and what they're gaining, right? But the difference is envy has to do with you desiring after someone else for what they have that does not belong to you, whereas jealousy you feel like something rightfully belongs to you that someone else is gaining. Okay, so one of the examples that was put in the dictionary was, obviously, when you talk about you have a, you know, you're married or whatever, your spouse, or you have a girlfriend, boyfriend, which I don't, you know, advocate and promote, but, you know, you with somebody, and either their attention is drawn to someone else or someone else is interested in the one that you're with. That causes a problem, right? Now think, you know, think back to when you was a teenager and, you know, that was an issue, right? For us fellas, you know, you got your girl and you like, man, I know he ain't, you know, why is he trying to catch my girl's eye? Right? Why is he trying to catch her attention? That's a problem, right? Especially if I'm married to her. And same thing for your husband. You know, you like, I know he ain't just 
Did he just wink at that girl? Come on, y'all. y'all. Look, I know some of us been married for a while. I know, you know, but that's jealousy. But that's the difference between the two, envy and jealousy. Jealousy, I feel like something rightfully belongs to me, and I feel like somebody else is gaining it. Y'all remember when God said he's a jealous God? Right? So think about it. We belong to who? We start giving attention to somebody else. We start serving other gods. We start being selfish, serving the flesh. God says, I'm a jealous God. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to share my glory with nobody else. Right? He has a right to be. (laughs) It all belongs to him. But that's the difference between the two. Okay? So envy is just, you just sitting there desiring after something else that it don't even belong to you. Brother Wayne comes in, brand new suit. You know, everybody complimenting him. Ooh, Brother Wayne, man, you you look all right, man. That's all right. Where you get them threads? And then I'm looking like, man, he all right. Let me get that suit. I'll make that suit look even better. Right? But watch this. This, to me, you don't have to take my word for it, but to me, in most cases, envy, when people envy someone else for what they have, it's not the things that they have that they're really envying. It's the result that the things that they have bring that causes people to envy. Right? So if I get promoted... There's not too many people that envy the responsibilities that I'm going to get with that promotion. But they're going to envy the fact that I'm getting more pay. Right? And because of my position, I've got more authority. Right? So these are the things, you know, this, I just gave you one example there, but, you know, it wasn't his suit that I really envied. It was the attention that he got. The attention he received is what I was envying. It just so happens that the suit seems to be the source. I hear a lot of times people talk about, you know, marriage. You got a lot of single folks, divorced people, so on and so forth, right? And one of the things I hear, especially from single women... When they see a man that, you know, is doing what he's supposed to do, you know, one of the things they see, they say, man, you know, I wish I had a man like that. But a lot of times what they don't see is what it took for that man to get to where he's at. Because us men was born with some issues. It's the truth, right? I told somebody this, and, and you know, it's one of those things, it's, it's a reality. 
some things you i think i mentioned this in one of the lessons but some things you may have to fight for the rest of your life fight against because of this flesh that you're in but as men you know we're born with with certain things it just it just comes with the nature right and we fight against those things but hopefully we develop and we grow and we become stronger. So we can push past those things. We can overcome those things that are tripping everybody else up. Okay? Well, they see the result, but they don't know the work that it took. But here's the other thing to think about. I was telling my wife, we was talking about this before. But just because... I'm the man I am now because I'm with my wife and it makes it look so beautiful doesn't mean it's going to be the same result if I try to switch it up with somebody else. Thank God I'm the man who I am today, but God knew what to put in my life to bring me to the point that I'm at now. Right? And I'm, yes, I'm talking about men, but it applies both ways. But if I'm not careful, I'll sit there, and even as a man, I'll sit there and I'll lose value. I'll lose sight of the value of my own wife as a man and not recognize what God has given me and go chasing everything else because of the result Problem is, when I go and pursue that, I don't get the same result. So this is one of the main issues with envy. It causes a person to pursue after things that they feel like they really want, they really desire after. But it's not so much the tangible thing that they're after, it's the intangible Many times it's because they feel like there's a void or emptiness in their own life and they're trying to fill it with other things. So, some of the contributing factors to me to envy is lust. Now, every man is tempted, the scripture says, when he's drawn away of his own. And we talked about conquering lust or temptation, I believe it was, uh, a few weeks ago, okay? And lust was one of those things that came up. Lust is a big issue. I mean, the scripture tells us that all that is in the world, we talked about that last week, I believe it was, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, pastor even preached about it, the pride of life, right? These things are not of the Father, right? But in this thing here, the flesh, the carnal part of us, this is what we're drawn to. We're drawn to lust and desire after those things that we really are not supposed to have. And there's a reason why God tells us not to embrace those things. They bring harm to us. It's not just a matter of putting a bunch of rules out there, but God does everything intentionally. So he says stay away from it. There's a reason why he says stay away from it. 
He says, you don't need it, you don't need it. But if I'm not careful, I'll let my lustful desires, my flesh, drive me to the point of my own destruction. And then who is responsible for it? I can't blame the person who's been blessed. I can't blame the other person who got promoted. I can't blame the other person because they, you know, whatever situation they they have, whatever it was that I was envying after, lusting after, it's not their fault. Whose fault is it? Can I say something? If I fall, I'm a man. I'm in church. Someone comes in here dresses provocative. If I fall into sin, whose fault is it? The blame is not on the individual. Now, granted, now they're responsible for what for their own actions, right? But sin is a, is a willful thing. But sin is the result of what? Somebody said it. Your own lust, right? When lust hath conceived, it brings forth what? So before the sin, there is... And lust comes from where? The, the flesh, right? Discontentment is another factor. You ever see somebody just not ever satisfied in life? You know, it's one of those things. Sometimes me and my wife, we talk about it. You know, would, would I like to get paid more? Sure. I'd like to have a little bit more money to, you know, maybe put some more in savings or whatever the case may be. I'd like to have a little bit more. I'm not looking to be rich. But it'll put more money in my pocket, you know, to pay gas or whatever the case may be, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when you are looking at other people in life or you're looking at things in life and you go to pursue it so much that you neglect the things that are important in life, that's when you can pretty much tell there's a problem. You know how gambling starts? How do people get addicted to gambling? They think they're going to win, right? But, but just think about it. The rationale that we have when we look at people who's gambling is like, why are they throwing away all that money? Anybody gamble, anybody gamble before? Right? A person who's rational, who's looking at it for what it's worth, you look at it in its proper perspective, and you're like, man, you're wasting more money trying to get money. But the person that's gambling is like, this ain't no big deal. Big money. Throwing it away. Bills ain't being paid. Homes being broken, 
marriages being torn apart, neglecting everything that's important because they're pursuing after more. You know, I've always heard a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of people that say, man, if I just, you know, if I can make it to the next promotion, you know, I get this next position, I'll be good to go. I'll be happy. Oh, it's true. You'll be happy because happiness is an emotion. But if all you concerned about is happiness, you'll be very unhappy. Happiness is going to come and go, you know. Get more money and you think, hey, you know, I'm just going to have more to, you know. And for some reason, you, the more money you make, it seems like. Where are these bills? Remember when we used to live off of this? What's really going on? I know I'm making more, but it seems like the bills just keep on increasing. What's going on? Got a bigger house. The rent ain't the same no more. You got a five-bedroom house that you renting. Ain't the same rent as a two-bedroom. You used to be able to get by with two bedrooms. When you got six kids, you can't do that no more. Well, you can try, but. <laughs> but just discontent. I'm not content with my relationship. There are a lot of people. You know, I'm not happy in my relationship. Well, why not? <laughs> I was watching this little ad that came on. It was something I was, I can't remember what it was, but there's an ad that came on. And so I just continued watching. It was about, I thought it was some greeting card or something like that. And uh, I think it was an insurance commercial. But when they started out, they had these couples. And the couples was talking about, they were mentioning things that they didn't like about each other. And, you know, or things that just, oh, they leave the toilet seat up and yada, yada, yada. So they go through all this stuff, right? And then they asked them, they said, okay, they asked the couples, look into each other's eyes for 30 seconds. Just sit there and look into each other's eyes. And so each of them did it, and after 30 seconds, they asked them again how they felt, and they started bringing out positive stuff and, you know, how, how much they mean to each other, so on and so forth. They started bringing all that stuff out, and they were saying if this, if just looking into their eyes after 30 seconds could bring this about, and I forget the rest of it, what it was, but I just was kind of like, how many times... Do we just make decisions off of impulse? I'm done with this. This is not enough. I'm not happy with this. And then we go and we look for other stuff to fill or make us happy. Y'all know that term talk about, you know, pursuing your dreams. What's that one? What's that song from Disney? When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. <laughs> Said Pinocchio. Yeah, I'm sure all that was tied in there. Wishing, fantasizing, 
you know that's that's really the precursor to actually making a move which is making the wrong move you know as children of god we don't have to fantasize did you know that what is it that you don't have in your life that you got to fantasize about if you really need it god would do what he provided for you right so why are you sitting there wishing you're probably wishing because it's something you ain't supposed to have. Some folks ain't supposed to have a lot of money because God knows if he gave it to you, you wouldn't use it right. Y'all, y'all right? Because it's the truth. We have to get to a point where we really understand that the things that God is doing for us is for our benefit. All things work together for the good. Even the things that don't feel good still work together for the good. We praying to get rich and God is saying, no, if I keep you poor, you're going to stay saved. That contradicts all the messages about prosperity that they're preaching now. But I'm sorry, it's the truth. God is not interested in your flesh. He came to save our. Greed is another thing. And I'm not just talking about food. Yes, there's some folks that are just greedy with food. Just know they full and just still eating. You, <laughs> I'm not trying to sound funny. But, you know, even the doctors will tell you. There's a certain point. When you eat and it's not being full, there's a point, a certain point you'll stop where it's healthy for you. You eat till you're full and it's really not healthy for you. I'm talking about the physical body. But some folks will eat and eat until they burst. Let me get off of food so nobody feel like. Some folks want all the attention. You can't you can't compliment somebody else without them trying to. You ever have a conversation with somebody? So as soldiers, I know we've had plenty of conversations. Talk about where we've been, what job we had, what responsibilities we had, what level, what rank we got to, so on and so forth. You ever get somebody to just start, you trying to tell your story. Yeah, when I was deployed, such and such. Well, when I was deployed, man, we had all, we had twice the amount of, yeah, man, well, it was, it was kind of challenging, you know, I was, I was deployed, and, and we had like five people, you know, five of the enemies was just surrounding us and stuff. Man, when I was deployed, we had like 15. And all my buddies left, and it was just me. I had one round left, and I had to take them all out. Now, it sounds funny, but you got folks like that that just, they got to have the attention. They got to have all, you know. Somebody get an award, man, I got to do, wait till I get my award. I don't know where my award is. 
You ain't even leave from the award ceremony talking about you getting the award. We do it in church sometimes. We want to thank Sister Sue for putting together the event, you know, the things. Of, and she put it together so well, and everybody went, you know, they ate and they had uh, they had a good time. It was just, you know, it was a wonderful time. It was hosted very well. Thank you, Sister Sue. And, you know, another sister, I could do better than that. Wait till it's my turn. I'm going to have all kinds of decorations. It's going to look like a ballroom. Can't even recognize our brothers and sisters without some other people just getting envious that they got attention. We want to bless somebody with this. Well, I need that. Go get a job. You know, I know it sounds funny, but really, though, it's dumb stuff. Y'all excuse me, but it's dumb stuff sometimes that just, and it happens in the world every day, but it should never happen in the body of Christ. What am I envy you for? What, is, what good is that going to do me? You got a brand new car. Ooh. Now, look, I can, I can look at your car and be like, oh, man, that's a nice car, man. That's all right. But then when I go to the dealership next week, and I know good or well I ain't got the money to pay for that car, I want this one right here. Hey, I got the newest model, man. Look at mine. Check mine out. Now I come driving up with the, with the same car. It just got more features, better features. You know, my lights, they kind of pulsate with the music, you know, the gospel music I'm playing. Y'all remember we talked about pride, right? And you see me the next week, and I don't have that same car, and I come pulling up with my old raggedy car with the bumper missing and tape on the headlight. <laughs> then you'll ask me, what happened to your other car? All because I was envious about what you had. Dumb. I like my Chevrolet Malibu out there, 2000. It's, you know, it ain't the newest car, it ain't the newest model, but it gets me to where I need to go to. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. God allowed me to pay it off. Thank God. It's under his mileage. Thank God. It may not be flashy, but she's sure moving. Amen? Let's talk about ways to overcome envy. I want to go to, can somebody, I think it's, is it 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 13? One talks about charity. First Corinthians, excuse me, I just want to read a couple of verses. 
You know, again, we hear the word love, and love is 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 underappreciated. It's overstated and underappreciated. Everybody talks about love, and I, I believe Pastor preached about this last week, if I'm not mistaken, talking about love and expression of love, but understanding that love is not just a verbal proclamation. Paul talks about this. He says, you know, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, look at this, good deeds, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity does what? Suffereth long and is kind. Look at what he says. Charity does what? There is no envy in love, right? This is what charity is. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up with a bunch of hot air, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. See, you know, love is not even about us. It's for us, but it's not about us. Is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. You know, a lot of times I think about this scripture here that talks about love, and I keep thinking, Lord, continue to work on me. Because I want to be able to have that perfect love. Scripture says perfect love does what? Cast out all fear, right? But that perfect love, this is what I was talking about right here. And I'd be like, Lord, I, I want your love to fill my heart. Because I don't even want to think evil stuff. You know, sometimes it say be angry, but sin not. But if I think an evil thought, that's really sin. Our children are having a great time now. now. Right? Uh, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. I like this. Charity never fails. It never faileth. So no matter what position we're in in life, the best thing we can do if we want to abstain from envy is to get a hold of that perfect love. Well, the Bible tells us in 1 John, I believe it is, that God is love. This is nothing new for us, but it's something that we need to embrace in our lives every day because it's what's going to keep us on the right track. Because if I love God, if I get a hold of that perfect love and I really love God, I'm going to love you for what God is doing in you and for what God is making you. I'm not going to sit there and envy to be better than you or be like you. My aspiration is to be like Christ. Thank God for what he's doing in your life. But I know God has a plan for me. You know, even in ministry. You know, you get some folks that preach and then, you know, you get other preachers that just, you know, envious of. They looking at folks, you know, getting slain in the spirit and baptized and everything else. And if you're not careful, you're sitting there trying to produce the same result and you're not realizing God is going to deal with you and use you in his own way. Everybody's not supposed to present it in the same way. We're presenting the same message. Amen. 
I shouldn't be envious of pastor just because he's preaching and everybody responding and I get up there and everybody just like a bunch of crickets. But I shouldn't be envious of that. My only responsibility is just to share the word of God. I can't save nobody. Thank God he didn't give me that responsibility. I'll be failing miserably. I'm trying to save myself. Perfect love. So you want to know what love is, stop listening to the world. Stop listening to all those worldly songs that talk about I'll give you the stars and the moon and all the stuff that we can't give you. I, you know, I was listening to, uh, I was listening to uh, the radio uh, this week, this past week, and I just happened to be listening at one point, and they were ta- it was, uh, they were interviewing a couple, and one of the things that the lady said in the course of the interview is that she had to realize that her husband could not give her everything she expected. She had to come to that realization. And when she did it, she recognized that it's God that's supposed to fill every need in her life. She said then she was able to. We disappoint ourselves sometimes because we expect the right things from the wrong sources. We're all growing, right? But growth does re- does resemble or reflect, should reflect maturity. Sh- it shouldn't be a regression, right? It should always be a development, okay? But this is one of those things that we should be because the fruit of the Spirit is, what did we just read, right? Love, okay? So that's one of those things that, you know, <clears throat> if we're focusing on doing that, I guarantee you're going to find less time to sit there and worry about what everybody else has and where everybody else is and just focus on what God is doing in you. The other thing is attitude of gratitude. You know, the scripture says in Psalms, enter in his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and. Thankfulness. Gratitude. You know, I'm, I'm just, it's really hit me hard these last couple of weeks when I wake up in the morning, I just think, Lord, I don't deserve this day. I mean, really, I could be gone right now. You know, it's, it's just the time that I have is only a short time. And I don't know when my prescribed time is to leave here, but it could be today. And when I wake up, I'm just like, Lord, I'm just thankful that you gave me another day. Help me not to mess this day up. Help me to stay focused. What a privilege to have life. It's a gift. And I'm, I appreciate that. I'm glad for that. You know, but to be grateful for what God has given you, what he's doing in your life. You know. It's easy to complain, but really the thing that we're unhappy with is the way the situation that we're dealing with at the time, right? So as we interact with people, sometimes we get disappointed. 
I don't care how long you're married. I know I'm not old. Right? I haven't been around as long as some other folks. But I'm pretty sure they'll vouch and say, it doesn't matter how long you've been married, you're still going to have those moments where you just, some <laughs> some days is just like, what? You said what to me? Some days you just got to say that extra prayer. Something didn't rub you the right way, the right way. But it should never bring me to a point where I'm not grateful for the one I'm with. If I know that it's the one that God has provided me, guess what? I should I should still value. God is not always excited about what we're doing in our lives. Some things God looks at and be like, have you lost your mind? What is wrong with you? Didn't I give you my word last week? Was you listening? But he still loves us. He still values us. Enough that he would give us another chance. I love that God. I love the God that I serve. Having that attitude of gratitude, I guarantee you, you won't be so focused on what other people have. Make praise or thanksgiving a daily part of your menu, not just a one-time event that happens towards the end of the year. Thanksgiving should be something I'm doing every day. I'm not telling you to go cook turkey every day, but I'm just telling you Thanksgiving should be a daily part It should be part of your menu every day. Amen? Fix your focus. The Bible says set your affections on things. So who are we talking about? Right? My ways are uh, above your ways, and my thoughts are above your thoughts. We know who's above. He says set your affections on things above. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew, he says... Uh, delight thyself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Excuse me. He says, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Notice what he says. Seek ye first. You're looking for where? So when we talk about being kingdom-minded, that's what we're talking about, focusing on the kingdom, right? What's going to get us closer to the kingdom of God? What is going to draw me closer to the kingdom of God? When I'm focusing on that, I start realizing that all this stuff, that this tangible stuff and all these things that people really rely on to feel, you know, affirmed or whatever the case may be, I don't necessarily need. I don't need fame. As a musician, I remember, you know, as a young adult, really as a teenager, getting older i want i had aspirations to become famous i wanted a record deal you know i wanted to go out there and sing sing songs i wanted to sing love songs i wanted to produce my own stuff you know i wanted to get on stage and woo everybody you know i wanted to be the center of attention center of attraction but that desire 
conflicted with what God was trying to do in my life. But it almost destroyed me. So as a result, you know, I'm not going to go through all the things, but this thing almost destroyed my life. Thank God for his grace and mercy that he brought me to a point where I could realize, you know, and I mean, with music, I love music, but not to the point it's going to cause me to compromise where God is trying to bring me. Compromise my relationship with God. There's been times I've been invited to play certain places. I'm like, no, if the truth ain't being taught, then I'm not going. I don't care how much you pay me. But God had to change that within me. If I'd have got those same invitations, I'd have been messed up. Going to all these places just just because I'm making money. I don't even think about money. I come and I'm able to, you know, be a blessing, then great, you know. And as much as I enjoy music, it's not even the focal point anymore for me. If I don't get to play, I don't get to play. I go, you know, whatever church I'm in, if they got a musician, then great. I don't need to play. I'm okay with clapping my hands and singing. Singing along. I don't have to be on the stage. Thank God for what he's done. Because he caused me, he helped me to realize that none of those things really is what I needed to be fulfilled in my life. He allowed me to adjust my focus on him and realize what was really important. And I'm glad for that. Set your affections on things above. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the promise there is all these things. See, that's a whole nother message right there. But guess what? Everything you need in your life, you got to look at it this way. It's not God trying to prepare it. He already has it. We benefit from those things when we walk in the path that God has set for us. That's why it's so important to be obedient. Because the way of the transgressor is what's hard. But if I'm obedient, I'm just going to walk right into what God already prepared for me. David says, thou prepares what? A table be not after I arrive. The table's already prepared. Practice giving. Make giving a part of your practice. And I'm not just talking about money. I mean, I know we, you know, we give. And a lot of folks are giving to, you know, different causes. We give to the ministry as much as we can. But this has been said more than once. But I'm just encouraging you to do the same thing. What else can you give besides money? You can give of your time, right? What else can you give? In my community, I'm sitting there and I'm using my energy to shovel my my yard, uh, my um, driveway. I just so happen to see somebody stuck in the snow leaving in the morning. I got to leave too. Got my son and we went up there and we did what we could to try to get her unstuck and you know so she was able to go do what she needed to do. Great, and I still made it on time. 
I just gave a little bit of my time. But how many times we say, man, I ain't got enough. I ain't got no time to. Nobody said it wasn't going to be a sacrifice sometimes, but practice giving. The more you give, the Bible says more blessed to, right? The more you give, you find out, too, there's a fulfillment in giving. There is a good thing about giving. You got folks in the world that recognize that. That's why a lot of those folks, they, they participate in all these fund drives and, you know, fundraisers and campaigns and all this other stuff. Folks that's joining uh, the Coast Guard and all that because they want to give. They just want to give. When you practice giving, you focus less on yourself and you focus more on the mission at hand. And for us as children of God, our ultimate mission is to complete the will of God. Is to do the will of God. Yes, going to heaven is a reward. But before I can get to heaven, I got to accomplish his will. That's the only way I'm going to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? You can, there's so many other things that you can really tie in with this when we talk about envy, conquering envy. But I guarantee you, if you got love, perfect love, not worldly love, you got attitude of gratitude, and you're practicing giving and just being grateful for what you have, I guarantee you it's going to change your attitude. And don't do it, again, with the wrong mindset, with the wrong agenda. As people of God, we're doing the things that we're doing because he says what? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? We're drawing attention to him. Remember what we said last week. You're the flyer. You're the business card for God. You're the church. So let's go out and be that so that we can actually accomplish what God has for us to accomplish. And then all the blessings and all the things that God has for us, we'll receive those. We don't have to envy. We don't have to desire and lust after other things. God will grant us those things. So my time is up. God bless y'all. Read the story of uh, David and Bathsheba and uh, learn the lesson in Jesus' name. God bless you.